Exodus chapter 15. Biologists recognize a principle. <clears throat> they recognize a principle at work among plants and animals. This natural wonder is called the adversity principle. As strange as it seems, habitual well-being is not advantageous to a species. <laughs> An existence without a challenge takes its toll on virtually every living thing. <clears throat> this may explain the astonishing result of a survey where 87% of the people surveyed said a painful event, death or illness or breakup or divorce and so on, caused them to find a more positive meaning in life. And so, ironically, um, adversity can be very therapeutic. <laughs> Praise God, according to this article. I want to look at the wilderness revel rev revelation. The wilderness revelation out of Exodus chapter 15. And I'm going to read from verses 22 to the end of the chapter. This is the children of Israel. They've come out of Egypt, and uh, they're, coming, they're coming up against their first hurdle, if you will. So Moses brought Israel, verse 22, from the Red Sea. Then they went out into the wilderness of Shur, and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink the water of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Marah. And the people complained against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. When he cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. Then he made a statute and an ordinance for them, and he, there he tested them. And said, If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you, which I have brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Verse 27, Then they came to Elam, where there were twelve wells of water and seventy palm trees, so they camped there by the waters. I want to consider with you the wilderness revelation. And consider with you, first of all, the Christian experience. And we're obviously going to look at this in the context of what we're looking at here in light of God's work, His revelation of Himself. Amen. And as the people of God are brought into the wilderness uh, experience here. Because a large, large part of living for God is we live by faith, right? Isn't that the Bible says? It repeats itself a few times. The just shall live by faith. Amen. Amen. And at the same time, we have to maintain a sense of our purpose and our destiny. Why I'm doing this or why I'm going with this. Amen. And so just have an understanding of, you know, as we're, you know, living by faith, we understand why we do what we do and where we're going. Have, kind of brings it into that perspective, amen. This, this entails all of our perspective, you will, amen. Because the meaning of the details, if you will, of living for God, the whys and the how comes can get lost if we don't keep in touch with the big picture. Because I know sometimes people get to a place, it's like, why am I doing this? It's like, but you're missing the big picture. It goes all the way back when God brought you out of Egypt, remember? When he brought you out of sin and when he saved you. And you woke up one day and said, oh, this is the greatest thing that's ever transpired in my life. Amen. I've had some great times, but I'll tell you what, nothing compares to my salvation. 
And you know what? God saved me and I'm on my way to heaven. Amen. We used to sing that song. On my way to heaven. Amen. I can't remember all the words, but I'm not going to sing it for you this morning. But anyways, the point was is that, you know, that meant so much in those early days. It's like, yeah, this is what this, I, I saw the big picture. But you know, as the years go by, when things come and go, uh, uh, you can miss the big picture. Miss the purpose and the reason. The meaning of all the details as we live for God and have disciplines and so on. And as the redeemed, we're not just following another religious system. You've got to understand this. We are God's people. Amen. And we are partakers of His covenant. Amen. We are God's very own people. A people that, make, that God makes known to. Amen. That, that He seeks to manifest Himself to. A people, amen, who are set on fulfilling His purpose and His design in the earth. We are the people of God. And we have an Old Testament record from Adam to Noah to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Israel. Amen. And, and what we are is rooted in uh, that very heritage. Amen. In Exodus, we see the deliverance of God's people. They're delivered from being slaves to the Egyptians by the power of God. It's factual. Amen. But it foreshadows the cross. Amen. And uh, uh, the, the deliverance that we receive, if you will, at the cross. This is why I can say when I got saved, God brought me out of Egypt. He brought me out of the old life. He brought me out of my bondage and my slavery to my sin and everything that goes along with that. It's the exact same picture. So God delivers the people that they might go and possess the very promise that God made all the way back to Abraham. Amen. Where God said, you know what, they would be his people and God would be our God. But the place between deliverance and the promised land is the wilderness. The place between the deliverance and the promised land is the wilderness. And there's always a wilderness that has to be dealt with. It's always a wilderness that you have to pass through. Think about it. It's very true. It's saved, delivered. It's so exciting, so wonderful. You come out of Egypt. The Egyptians are all, army is all floating in the water. My old life is behind me. Nothing better. I, I can still, I'm telling you what, I can close my eyes. I can relive my salvation a million times over. Being delivered, all the little weirdness and bondages, the habits that I had were just kind of started to fall off. It's like, wow, wow, how can you possibly do this? Amen. And then the wilderness. Let's talk about the wilderness. Amen. You know, the, play, the wilderness is a place of revelation. That's why I'm talking about the wilderness revelation. seems that when God wants to work in a man or a people, reveal himself and prepare them, he first takes them through the wilderness. I mean, you'd think God would take some other place, amen, to do a work in our lives, amen, but it seems like he chooses the wilderness 
as a place to reveal himself in the most intimate ways. As a place, amen, where he does his deepest work in our lives. And it's, it's, it's founded in scripture, amen. If you look at it, you know, it was in the wilderness that God prepared Moses. 40 years in the backside of the desert. And I scratched my head and thinking, 40 years? Okay, he lived to 100 and something, but still 40 years is a long time. 40 years in the backside of the desert, and all of a sudden, one day, he reveals himself to this man, and off he goes on to the mission that God has called him to do. I think about David. You know, David spent many years in the wilderness running from crazy King Saul. But in that time, in that wilderness period, amen, you, you can pull out some of the Psalms and identify with what David's going through. God's doing a work in this man's life in the wilderness. And there's times he don't think so. I mean, right at the end, he runs over to the enemy's side and, you know, just crazy decisions he's making. But here he is in the wilderness and God is revealing himself to this man. How he's delivered him from Saul time and time again. You have Jesus himself. The dove comes down at his baptism, filled with the Holy Ghost. The Spirit of God leads him into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil 40 days and 40 nights. Long before he even starts his ministry. So the wilderness is meant to be a place that we pass through. Not dwell, we don't live there. But we're meant to pass through it. The wilderness, it's a barren place. It's a lonely place. It's even a harsh place, amen, with hardly any natural comfort. Hardly any, uh, you know, means of life, if you will. And it does. It entails a place. The wilderness entails maybe possibly a time. The wilderness sometimes can be a season in your life that you're passing through, an actual experience that you're experiencing, amen. Maybe even in our own hearts, in our own spirits, it's like I'm going through a wilderness time, a season, amen, in my life. In fact, there are probably times throughout our lives that we're going to have aspects of the wilderness because we're not quite to the promised land we're talking about as far as making eternity our home. And in our travel there, God is still doing a work in you and I that even as I've been living for God, you know, I, 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 don't, I don't revel in the wilderness, but I'll say sometimes I go through the wilderness experience, that season, that maybe even lonely times or those times of barrenness or even times of harshness going on in my life. There's lessons that we learn or maybe fail to learn, which are really critical in the wilderness times. It's not so much the deep spiritual experiences. It's not what I'm talking about. It's actually a place where God reveals himself to us. But you know, on the other side of the coin, it's also a place where God reveals us to ourselves, which I think sometimes can be more powerful of a revelation than God's revelation of himself to us. It's my revelation of who I am and where I'm at and what's going on in my own personal life. God revealing me to myself. Israel 
They're God's people. I understand, you know, they have a heritage with Abraham and so on, but they've just come out of bondage. When God brought Moses to deliver them, they were even somewhat reluctant to believe. They were somewhat reluctant to leave. In fact, when Moses started moving in that direction, Pharaoh, of course, he, he bucked it. And immediately starts putting on all this burden on the children of Israel. And immediately they start coming against it. Immediately they're, they're, you know, they're upset with Moses because their lives are being disruptive. Disrupted. Amen. Pharaoh traps them by the sea. They complain, oh, this is why you brought us out of Egypt. Because there's no graves in Egypt, so you're going to kill us out here. I see. They said at one point, didn't we tell you that it would be better to stay in Egypt and serve Pharaoh than to die in this wilderness? Let me tell you right here, God never brings us into the wilderness to kill us. We're never to die in the wilderness. He didn't bring them out there to die any more than he, we go through wilderness experiences to die either. Amen. God brings them to Mara, which is where we're going to stay at. I know he brought them to this place time and time again as you go through the Wilderness experience. The next one, I believe, is the, uh, the, the manna being poured out. They had no food. And so time and time again, God is integrating truth about himself, integrating truth about them. Amen. I mean, I know they're the heritage of Abraham, but they just spent 400 and some odd years slavery to the Egyptians. They really don't know much more than the slave mentality been engrossed in the Egyptian religious system and everything else. And we know they brought a lot of that with them. Amen. And so just because they're the children of Abraham doesn't mean that there's a lot of work that's got to be done. And so as he's bringing them through the wilderness, the first place they come is Mara in our text. Even though this is just the beginning, this is what we want to look at. Amen. And it's not just the place they stumbled on. Remember, they're being led by the cloud by day and the fire by night. God brings them here purposely. Just like he brings them to every place as you go through the book of Exodus. He's bringing them out and he's leading them. Amen. And it's by design. They've just left the Red Sea. This is the first place. They've traveled three days. And in that three-day period, they've obviously run out of their provision for water. And so, you know, obviously this is a, a necessity, amen. And, they, you know, they need to stay alive. So uh, they're talking about water. So what, what happens? They're brought to Mara. There's plenty of water there, but they can't drink it. They can't drink it. It's, it's, it's unpalatable. I believe there's a lesson here, a revelation that... Obviously, they had not learned, and unfortunately, I think most of this generation never really did learn. It's more than God just bringing them to the end of themselves. It's more than God just bringing them to a place of desperation where they're just going to depend upon Him and learn how to depend upon Him. Amen. Uh, you know, God just, I mean, quickly, God, he, he, he heals the water, and immediately on they go. Amen. So the design of God is more than just making them struggle and then God comes through at the last minute and wins the game. It's not a cat and mouse game that God's playing with them here. God brought them here 
to reveal a life lesson as well as a personal revelation of themselves. First of all, that life is going to entail some bitter experiences. That you're going to face some things in life. You're going to face some bitter experiences, amen. And unless we learn these, how to face these and deal with these, amen, and come to that place where, you know what, God can heal. Because you're going to face these times. But let me tell you something. God has answers. God can heal, amen. God can move. And here they are, and they got to understand something. You know what? This is a lesson that I don't know if they've ever learned because they complained the whole time like God can't do anything the whole way through. And yet right here at this first lesson, it's like you need to learn something. God can take care of things. He can heal some things. He can heal some bitter experiences that we face. Because these places can really eat away at our soul. Amen. They can destroy the soul. They'll keep us from realizing what God has for us and all that God wants to do, the place of promise that God wants to take us unless we learn to lean on Him. Because these people, you got to understand, these are slaves. There's some deep-rooted things going on in these guys' life. I would dare say there's some deep-rooted bitterness in their souls. And we see their attitude toward God, just the way they talk to Moses and how they treat Moses. And like Moses, God would say, it's not about you, Moses, it's about me. Something is in these people, amen, that needs to be rooted out. Something is in these people that they need, they need to deal with. They need to get a revelation of who they are. I mean, they came from years of bondage with maybe a little bit of a veneer of religious belief. Because, you know, here we are, uh, they're facing a challenging situation. And when you're facing challenging situations, beloved, God's doing a work in you. It's not so much this is going on. God can take care of this. Moses, get a tree, throw it in the water. Water's done. Okay, let's move on. This is nothing. You can face some things in life, amen. It's not really a big issue to God, but God is at work in here. Why am I going through this mire experience? Because God's trying to touch something on the inside. Because you're never going to make the journey if God doesn't start reach, reach, redoing the mechanism on the inside. You know, sometimes when you work with drug addicts, they, they had the higher power, whether it's Jesus or whatever. And you can tell just talking with them, you know what I mean? It's like, you know, the, the higher power is kind of working with them. It's like, that's not the way it works. The higher power is trying to get a hold of this thing in here and change this because until he changes this, it'll never change anything else. He's trying to get you to see something inside of you, mister. It's not about getting the, the big guy in the sky on my side. I mean, you know, we can see this in our text. It's like God is on their side, but that's not what God's doing. He's not just trying to say, I'm for you and I'm against everyone else. God loves everyone. He's trying to do something in these people's lives. There's some bitter bitterness, obviously, that's sitting in these people's hearts, rooted in them, amen. Years of bondage that need to come out, amen. They're, he's bringing about change. That's what has to happen, huh? A lot of times I face things, and you know what needs, you know what needs to happen more than anything? 
I need to change. I face bitter experiences. I face situations that are, that are just barren and, and hard places. It's like, I need to change. I don't like changing, do you? <laughs> I look in the mirror and I go, you're all right. <laughs> that mirror can talk. <laughs> That's why you buy the cheap ones from Walmart. They'll never talk, amen. <laughs> but I need to change. And it could be possibly things that I know nothing about. That God's trying to reveal something to me, Amen. Maybe we do know it about it, but we're refusing to deal with it. Because you got to be honest, sometimes there's things brewing in your life and you ain't doing nothing about it. There's things in your life that need to change and you know what they are. But you're not changing. And then all of a sudden you come to Mara and it's like, whoa. God says, I'm trying to bring something into your life, root something out. I think most of us have encountered bitter and unpalatable circumstances in our lives. Chances are we're going to even face even more disappointments and setbacks and betrayals and times of failure. But it's crucial as we face these that we know that we have the one who heals. We have the one, amen, who can turn life's bitter places into something that can be sustainable. That he can make the bitter sweet. And yeah, it is, it is relying upon God, but it's this understanding that when I'm facing certain things in life, it's not about me, amen. It's about I serve a God who can intervene, that God can heal anything that I'm dealing with. Anything that I'm facing. John 16, these things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. In our text, verse 25, he makes a, a statute or an ordinance for them. Amen. The Bible says, and he tested them. In other words, he made a law that would guide and govern his people. They, they could always reckon on God's help and God's healing power, God's deliverance. This is kind of what he's laying out. You can always depend upon me. So the healing of the waters really just wasn't just for a moment. This, this thing is, is more than that. It goes back to things before. That they're facing something now, but something's being dug up from before. So this healing is something from the past, but it's also something for the future. That God is trying to do something in here for future days. Dealing with something that is, comes from past days. It's a lot larger. Reaches well into the future. The tree was revealed to Moses and he cast it into the water. And I think about that. There's just no natural, rational way to figure out how this works. I do believe, as many commentators do say, it's a type, it's a picture of the cross. The Calvary's tree, the Bible says. That here's Jesus, amen, that, that all the pain and suffering humanity was overcome on the cross. This is what Jesus did on the cross. 
that you and I, when we come to Mara, amen, you can cry out or you just need to really to bring it to the cross. Amen. Bring it to Jesus. Your, yield your will to God's will. Accept, amen, what he permits. See, the revelation really is, I am the Lord who heals you. And I understand we can link it to the body. That, that's true. But it's interesting that he says, I will bring none of the diseases that were on the Egyptians, I will bring none of them unto you. So in other words, he's dealing with an aspect of judgment. He's dealing with an aspect of a curse. Amen. That healing of our bodies and the bitter waters of life are not so much two separate events, but maybe times they're often interrelated. We even see this in people that, you know, are physically healed. A lot of times it's, it comes from inside. They can be bitter and angry and upset, amen, and it affects the physical. There's an interrelationship with these things. That when we come to the bitter waters of life, listen, you're not just a victim. Not just, oh, you know, why is this happening to me? No, listen, something needs to change in your mindset. Something needs to change in your attitudes. Amen. It's not poor you. It's not poor me. Why am I, why is this going, why is that happening? Well, sometimes something needs to change in me. Deal with those things that I'm harboring in my heart and begin to start trusting God. Be willing to face them, renounce them, put some things away. Start to walk by faith. Lord, you can turn the bitter into the sweet. Maybe some things need to be surrendered in my heart. My pride or maybe my arrogance. We can list many things. But between deliverance and the promised land, there's a wilderness. It's a wilderness for all of us. But then finally, thirdly, there's Elam. Because you know what? We can talk about the wilderness all we want, but that's not what it's all about. Elam literally says that there's more to life. There's more to living for God. Then they came to Elam, yes. And yes, again, they're being led by the cloud, by the fire. That God directs them there, 12 wells of water, possibly for the 12 tribes of Israel, 70 palm trees and so on. And here they are, amen. It's a time of refreshing. It's the oasis in the journey. And you, you, you would want to almost say then, why didn't you stay there? But that's not the design of God. <laughs> but it's part of the design of God, right? Knowing God is, he's bringing a refreshing to our lives. And just like we come to Mara in our walks with God, we also come to Elam's in our walk with God. Places of refreshing, places where God, uh, seasons of, of joy and satisfaction, times that we, we feel comfort from God, amen, or place of contentment that only God can supply in our lives. It's not always the wilderness. My goodness, how will we survive? But there's oasis along the journey. It's a time of rest, amen. Like Jesus said, come unto me and you'll find rest for your souls. There really is a rest in serving God. 
a real rest, amen, a real peace that comes on the inside, amen. Nothing to do without here but what God is doing in here. I don't know about you, but I need that peace. There's times I think to myself, how do people live without God? I mean, I, mean, I know I've been living for God for a long time, but it's like sometimes I think, how do people live without God? Deuteronomy chapter 8 kind of gives a little bit of a shot on this. I'm not going to read 11 through 20. Now I'm going to read the whole thing. Let me just kind of read, skim through it here a little bit. It says, Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who led you through the great and terrible wilderness in which were fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty land where there was no water and brought water for you out of the flinty rock who fed you in the wilderness with manna, which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you, that he might test you to do you good in the end. And it goes through a lot more there. I just kind of wanted to bring that out. That's what God's at work at, to do you good in the end. It's good living for God. It's good living for God. I have no complaints. If I have any complaints, it always comes back to me. I'm, I, seem, I seem to find myself in the middle of my complaints. If I could get this guy on board, I'd, do, I'd be doing well. Charles Swindoll made this statement. He says, I'm convinced that life is 10% what happens to me and 90% how I react to it. You know, there's no such thing as a correspondence course for swimming. Right? You can't. You're not going to learn how to swim, amen, unless you get in and get wet. Faith is the same. It has to be developed actively, amen. It has to be developed in the going. Spiritual growth comes when we engage ourselves in what God is saying to our lives and to our hearts. I'm going to believe God. Jump in and get wet. As the scripture says, the just live by faith. Amen. Because we're all going to face wilderness experiences from time to time. We're going to face the Elams as well. But I tell you what, we serve a God who heals. We serve a God who heals. Amen. And as we're living for God, that's one of the lessons you don't want to let go of because you're going to face some things in life. I serve a God who can put anything back together again. I serve a God who can do anything. That's never even the answer, the question. The question is, is that where my faith is at? Is that who God is to me? He's the God who heals. Every experience, every situation. Amen. Let's bow our heads this morning. The wilderness revelation.